So hey guys and welcome back to the Grad Life podcast. My name is Tara and I'll be your host today and our guest today is Ellen Kelly. So Ellen graduated from UCD in 2019 and recently just graduated from HEC Paris after completing her master's. Um, she's also the co-founder of Savvy, a mobile platform that allows for investing in carefully selected impact funds. So welcome Ellen and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So I suppose we'll just start from the beginning. Um, would you mind just telling us a little bit about your experience in UCD and what you studied, international commerce? Yeah, exactly. I, so I did international commerce um, and it was probably the best choice for me. I initially thought I wanted to do law, actually. Um, and then I really knew I wanted to go away for a year. So international commerce kind of seems like the best fit because I was already always interested in, in business. Um, and I knew that after a degree like that, I could kind of like, you know, have a good standing to do whatever I wanted to do after. I wasn't sure what that was yet. Yeah. Um, and so I did international commerce and I started off with a minor in French. And then I dropped that so that I could go uh, and do a minor in global business. Um, and that meant that I got to live in Singapore for a year on my exchange. Uh, and that was kind of pretty incredible. And I had the, the best year ever. Like I just I feel really bad for people who couldn't do their exchanges the last yeah. years. Um, I know I know my brother couldn't go either and I think like it's probably the best thing you can do in your undergrad but obviously I'm really biased but I think you know people who are trying to decide between to definitely do it I think it's the best thing ever and then came back finished um so I graduated with uh international commerce with a minor in global business and uh then went on to do a grad program in good body stockbroker uh then I did two years as a grad in AIB and then I came to Paris for a year and I've just kind of finished my master's now. Okay, amazing. And um, do you mind just going in a little bit about uh, the good body? Um, how did you find that and what what did the work entail? Yeah, so I was in good body in capital markets yeah. um, and I sat with the equity sales desk um, and they were great. I really, really enjoyed it. I basically didn't really know much about finance I actually didn't do very well in finance in um like in the finance modules at UCD but I always found it really interesting and it was a friend of mine who sent me you know what good buddy were doing uh, and one of the the applications was for capital markets I didn't fully even understand it but I applied um and then kind of after the first interview they really I guess sparked my interest uh, I found it like kind of fascinating doing all the prep even for it I was kind of you know, looking up what was going on in markets and and all that kind of stuff, which is really daunting, but kind of exciting. And then obviously, you know, you're going into professionals who are doing this all day. So you're well aware that, uh, you know, I felt really out of my depth, but they were great. So I did like, I think two interviews and and got that for the summer. And essentially, you know, it was my first time being on trading floor and in a dealing room and you know there's all the screens and the big telephone in front of you with like, you know, two phones on each side. So, so daunting. And like we started at, like, I remember the only rule was like I had to be there at 6.45. Wow. And my friends were off, like some people were off traveling and stuff. Um, But I hadn't done any internships, so I knew it was really important to kind of get my foot in the door early, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'd only had a few internships, but I didn't do a placement year. And um, so I spent the summer after graduating, I think I went away for like a week or two with my friends. We all went to Portugal and then I... Uh, went in there but I really enjoyed it like you're in early you're getting the news of what's going on in the day and then there's like an hour prep before markets open and then 
the day passes really quickly because the phones are going all the time. Um, you know, news events are changing what's going on in your day. Yeah. Uh, and the, they were really good in terms of like I was, uh, you know, one of the only girls in there. Um, and I was what, 19 maybe? No, would I have been 20? I'd say maybe 20 if you're graduated. Had you graduated? Yeah, 20. Yeah. yeah, I was just 20. No, sorry, I was so much older. I was so much older. That's I'd say, yeah, you would have been at like 21. <laughs> yeah. I think when I graduated school, I was. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, yeah. So much older. But, you know, I felt like really young because everybody was talking about their kids and, uh, and they'd all been in their careers for so long and they didn't have any grads. So there wasn't even anyone kind of in my general age bracket. Yeah. Um, but it was really interesting, really fun, scary. And I would say I am quite like risk averse. I like to know what I'm talking about and I didn't know yeah so they would kind of push me by hitting I feel like me there's a fake like, it till you make it kind of thing yeah but also like I I'm I always go with being quite upfront about what I don't know so then if I get yeah. if I don't know it and it comes to it I can kind of have that comfort almost um, and yeah, which is but they were really good at, at pushing me to kind of you know they'd be like okay so what's happening you know the results are out for Ryanair this morning what price are you thinking why are we what's coming and okay, yeah you know and I like didn't want to answer and they're like just give us something just answer the question yeah, and then yeah, yeah. at least go from there and see you know what you're thinking and so I think I got better at that okay. um but yeah it was a uh, it was really fun <laughs> wow I'd say it was very fast paced in there yeah and then like also I was a grad so I didn't have any massive responsibility I couldn't trade or anything yeah I wasn't doing any of that I was more so like looking on and what they were doing but I was able to learn a lot so in that sense it was great because I could take it all in but the risk wasn't there and then I was you know organizing client lists and still doing you know mundane tasks on spreadsheets like it wasn't exactly you know you're not yeah and was that just for the summer you just did that for the summer period yeah for the summer okay wow so that that sounds very exciting um and then you left good body and you moved into AIB was it yeah, so I joined the AIB grad program uh, in September then. So after I graduated in June, did the summer in Good Body and then started in September in AIB in Treasury. And that's a two-year uh, rotational grad program already. So it was at the time, I, I don't know fully how it works now, but essentially for a year, we rotated around the different desks of Treasury. Um, and then, I got, you know, you get placed on a desk then for, for a year. So that that's what I did for two years and then and then left there and came to Paris. So I initially went in and you kind of rotate around uh, interest rates, FX. I was in corporate credit, fixed income, uh, asset and liquidity management and, and customer treasury services. Um, and I really enjoyed that and I learned a lot. And same thing, like the best thing about a grad program is like you're not expected to know all the answers. Yeah. And there's nothing in a a degree that you can learn to learn prepare you that, for yeah. for doing all any of that. So yeah. Like I don't really remember ever, you know, other than in economics and, and things like that, you kind of do learn the importance of interest rates and you're looking at inflation and stuff like that. But you don't have that same understanding of how it moves the economy around you. Yeah. Um, so I find that kind of more fun in terms of what you're doing every day, you know, is affected by what's going on in the world. So like, obviously you can imagine I was working there around COVID. So 
and, okay, yeah. you know, depending on what's going on in the markets or United States of rates or like, you know, it's kind of in that sense, it's really fun because there's like different things going, but it's also intense. And, and then some of it's really difficult and some of it wasn't for me. Like, I definitely wouldn't say that I loved all of it. There are different bits that suited me. Yeah. Um, and that's the benefit of a, the rotating, you know, you're only on a desk for eight months so you can, or eight weeks, you know, so you can kind of learn the basics of all of them and then figure out which one you like and which you didn't. Okay. Okay. And you just decided then you wanted to further your education then doing your master's in HSE, was it? Yeah. So I were, so I got to work uh, on the fixed income desk, uh, on the bond desk in AIB yeah. uh, for a year then after. And then we got to do a lot of ESG. So there was a load of sustainable um, investing was kind of on the rise and the EU had this big taxonomy and there was a lot of regulation coming on around uh, green investments and green bonds. And I um, did the, a certificate from the CFA and ESG investing. And I just found all that side of it really, really interesting. Um, and I also, you know, separately, I'm very passionate about sustainability. So I thought it was really, you know, cool that there was now an intersection between the business and finance world and, yeah. and the sustainability which is usually, you know, actually not now, but up until now, it was probably not taken very seriously and, uh, you know, seen as like, that's all great, like go off and plant your trees, but it's not, you know, for, it doesn't fit the kind of capitalistic view, but yeah. now it really does and everybody understands why that's important. And so the, you know, the CEO of AIB is really big on sustainability. So I, I got to, you know, there was a lot of opportunity around sustainability in AIB and that's how I kind of learned all about sustainable investing and then I applied to this master's in HEC and I actually just didn't think I'd get in yeah if I'm honest um so at that stage I'd like it was I don't know how many lockdowns we were on at that stage and I was just dying to get out and I lived in France when I was younger uh when we were in, when I was in school um would you be so, strong uh like would your French be very strong uh, yeah yeah, I, yeah. I speak French. Um, now, a lot of people in my class in HEC don't speak French. And there's a few other Irish that were in HEC in the master's in finance or master's in management who I know didn't really speak French. Um, and, you know, there's people from all over the world. It's an in, international business school. Yeah, of course. And, and all the classes are done through English. Yeah. Um, but I suppose maybe that's why I kind of was drawn to it initially to apply. And, and the master's being in sustainability and social innovation meant that I could keep going with this whole sustainability thing that I was really interested but it is in a business school so you yeah. are so it's all very fitting it's very fitting and it yeah. kind of aligned with what I was looking for where I wasn't going too far off track in doing a master's in sustainable development or something which actually would be equally interesting and is something I would you know definitely probably have considered but it really fit that the kind of path that I was already on it just opened it back up I felt yeah. like I was getting quite niche in you know yeah, yeah. just doing bonds um and like I was obviously I was so, so young and still am so I kind of thought it was a good chance to to do something different to move away um I had considered doing a master straight after UCD but I didn't know what I wanted to do it in I just didn't you know seem like the right time okay and so I thought I'd go off, figure out what I was enjoying and then uh during COVID I just had far too much free time to be googling all the different masters yeah so that's how I ended up here Okay. Yeah, no, I'd say that was such a, like, such a breath of fresh air after COVID, just moving to another country and just, like, starting again. And it's so nice yeah. to do something that, like, you were so passionate about, but then also, 
like what you would like to pursue in a career as well like that's just so um that's really nice that you got to do that um yeah I'm lucky <laughs> yeah and you did a thesis did you um at HCC yeah I did my master's thesis so the the master's overall was very broad and I would say more business-based than finance and um, oh, yeah. people who are more so in, in investment banking or corporate finance I'd say wouldn't have found the the master's you know as challenging and um, I like and I and I did but that's because I, I'm not as deeply focused in that area yeah. um but it meant that then for the thesis you know you could literally do it on whatever you wanted you just had to get approval you could submit yeah. any topic so I was looking at something for women in finance and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do but something around that world because it's obviously really important for sustainability and for you know the social side to have more women in finance yeah, of course and even like I looked at financing for women and then I came across this statistic where only one percent of venture capital in Europe last year had gone to to women founders and I was like okay well that's what I'll do it on yeah um because I just I couldn't like well I just couldn't believe it I thought that was so crazy and I actually didn't think it was true but then it turns out it was from the the European Investment Bank so yeah that's pretty, pretty solid statistic you can't, you can't believe it exactly yeah. um like I, I thought it would be low but like one percent seems incredible yeah yeah and I look it depends how the way you look at the statistics um whether you look at you know the different valuations deal what are the ticket sizes and and like there's loads of different things you can look at yeah uh, whether that's a number of entrepreneurs or the capital itself but but either way the statistics are really bad and I found a thesis tutor um and she is fab and we were chatting about you know just women and finance in general and we got on really well and she was kind of saying like why don't we look at the women who have been successful there's all this focus on like women aren't confident enough women don't ask for it women don't do this women don't women don't and it was kind of like a little bit depressing almost and also becoming increasingly well researched so I essentially looked at the success factors in in women founders who had been venture backed um, and what those commonalities were so some common success factors emerged um, which is great I essentially interviewed um, a load of entrepreneurs in Ireland and in France who had got funding so you know down from like people starting off to you know there I spoke to a few women who'd raised millions um to just kind of identify what it was about everybody that was you know in common to see if we could you know find some common thread yeah definitely I'd say you met some amazing women as well and what yeah. did you um what did you find in the end what did you say that contributes to women's success yeah I mean broadly yeah it's and it is very broad and it is kind of like some of it's really simple but it's not necessarily easy to do so like the first one is networks and like we all everybody knows networking is important people talk about all the time and you you just you're always hearing about how important it is but the women that have been particularly successful were really good at harnessing their existing networks so you know like for a network to really work it needs to be authentic it needs to be mutual you can't just have it whereby you know, oh, I know that person, I can get something off them. It has yeah, to be a two-way right, street. Yeah. And they also weren't trying to fit into the kind of traditional male networks. So, you know, they're not, you know, whether it's the golf course or afterward drinks or whatever you want to talk about it in these kind of like male dominated networks, you know, spending time trying to get into that circle maybe isn't the best use of time. Yeah. Um, and so the women who were particularly successful had managed to to go outside of that and use their existing networks, you know, professionally from their career. Credibility is incredibly important. Um, 
And so you can kind of leverage your network to bring up your credibility and, and you know, just change your messaging so that there's a thing that VCs see women as more risky from the get-go regardless. It's an unconscious bias. Okay. Like it's a sad truth, but it's there. And so women who were able to kind of come straight in guns blazing with, you know, get out of the way why they were qualified and maybe get an introduction for someone. So then the VC is less you know, skeptical of them, etc. Yeah. Just like small things like that, and and to be flexible and and I think persistent is you know probably the most simple, but the most difficult in some ways. Persistence in itself sounds so easy, but being persistent even when their confidence was dropped or despite what was going on. So you know, if you keep getting rejections, you just keep you know and persist. Now, obviously, you know, not not at you know when it's getting to the point where it's silly, but to really maintain consistent and persistent with what you're doing, I think is, is something I saw in a lot of the women who really had gotten incredibly successful. So yeah, they were kind of my main results. Yeah. I'd say just being realistic and like resilient, I suppose. Um, 100%. Yeah. Resilience is huge. And like the more support you can build up around yourself and to be flexible with that uh, as well, that was some other common factors. And, and then a huge one, which is kind of emerging now, almost as I look back on the research, a common thread is that, you know, it's common that women are more likely to set up social ventures. So, you know, social venture is a company that is, you know, for a profit and for a commercial purpose, but also has a social benefit to it. Um, and the persistence comes easier with that when you feel like you're contributing to a greater good. It's not just for the sake of building a company that's going to drive, you know, yeah, get, yeah. a lot of cash and, and drive revenue. You're also you have a purpose contributing back to society in some way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'd say that's that's a big one. Yeah, no, I'd say that was so interesting. That's actually a love lesson to that. Um, <laughs> and so definitely doing the Masters was a great decision for you, was it? Yeah, I would say like and it was the right time as well yeah um, and obviously like masters are expensive I had saved up a bit from working in the bank and I was able to like really properly take that decision um and I think I was at a good age to do it so I was what 25 when I started okay yeah. um, um was everyone else you were like was that the kind of general age but or was it very no I think the, the average age is 25 24 I think maybe it was no the average age was I think 25 but okay. most you know I have friends who are like I had friends in my class who were like my little brother's age who were 22 okay. who've done three-year undergrads and gone straight into masters yeah um I would say the age thing just kind of disappeared in some ways but I don't know like I know at home like we think about I still think everything in like what year was that you know, yeah, yeah. Year are they in? yeah so yeah, yeah. maybe it comes with as well being in a bigger city that is okay, less yeah. relevant um, yeah no that's but, interesting because I thought in general like a few of my friends doing masters abroad and that the age group is actually much older like they would be like I'm now I'm 22 but they'd be like the youngest by a mile. Like everyone, one of my friends is doing a business master's and like everyone set up their own businesses at this stage. Like they have kids and she's just the youngest. And that's, it's interesting though that your master's was like a more younger age group. Yeah. I just, like it depends obviously. Yeah. I think it does like depend. And the good thing is, is that realistically, like if you're doing a master's, you've probably thought it through. It's not this kind of like get out of school, need to get myself into college. So yeah, yeah. everybody's very much there because they want to. Yeah. And I think that makes for like an incredible learning environment because there's no I have to be you know, there. like yeah, exactly. Everybody wants to be there. Yeah. They've like made a pretty big choice to get there. And like 
you've managed to get yourself in like well done you know you've got through yeah. the application and you took this decision and it's a big one as well when you're old you know depending on what age you are you know some of your friends might be going on to earn money and to be in jobs or like in my case you know I had to you know quit my job and go back and I was like living in a student dorm for the first semester yeah yeah which wasn't really what I expected you to at 25 um so it just does mean that your friendship groups are broader in age age doesn't really matter as much yeah um which I think is quite nice yeah um but it is funny when you realize that like you know like I was at a friend's birthday at the very beginning and it was her 23rd birthday and I was like oh my god you're like so young yeah. such a baby you have no idea yeah. but now you know like we're really good friends and there's nothing about our age gap that really really affects that friendship at all yeah no so, yeah. Sure. um but you yeah, know it's good that you just took the time and just because I know like a lot of people like they when they're nearly finishing college they don't know what to do and they're like oh I'll just do a master's just for the sake of doing a master's to maybe delay time yeah um, but yeah I think it is a good route just to maybe start working a bit if you're not sure or take a gap yeah year, and then when you know for sure what you want to study and what you want to do with it um, yeah. I just feel like you just get more out of it that way yeah and I mean like there's nothing I also think that people who go straight into a master's sometimes it is the case they're well aware that they're you know they don't feel prepared for the working world and yeah. so maybe that yeah, is a better time to do it but if it is where you're hemming and hawing about it I would say you know there's no reason that you can't do a master's later yeah um, and I wouldn't let that deter you like yes I am a little bit older in some circles but I am the average age in others and it, it really didn't make a big difference but I, I I'm glad that I waited because I, I probably would have gone into a more general master's you know yeah. sustainability is very general but I, it, yeah. it didn't really exist for, at the time so I probably yeah, wouldn't I have done like that and I wouldn't be here fairly new now that all the it's way more common and popular now yeah exactly um, and then so so you're done in Paris now are you are you finished in Paris or you're you're still there are you I'm still here uh well I came home for for a little bit in summer uh thanks to global warming Paris was excruciatingly hot (laughs) so I was in Dublin uh for a good few weeks which was really nice um but I I graduated in June and uh I am you know full-time now on on Savvy yeah so tell us a bit more about Savvy yeah so I started Savvy uh, with my co-friend Jeremy actually in a class an entrepreneurship class at HEC so we yeah like that's how it came about we were in an entrepreneurship class with another friend of ours Michelle and it was like the first few weeks of class and you had to submit an idea and then you had to like make a team around it and it was just about a business plan class and basically at the end we kind of thought we were like this is kind of cool like let's have a think about it and we're like oh no okay whatever um and then after Christmas break we came back and we got a bit more serious about it and started having proper conversations. And so Savvy essentially started stem from the idea of, you know, the importance of investing for your future. So, you know, when I was working in banking and, and Jeremy, my co-founder, he invests a good bit as well. And, and being constantly approached by friends of, I need to set up a trading account. How do I do that? What do I buy? Yeah. Um, like how, how to go about it. And I was kind of, I would help my close friends, but I'm not really you know wanting to be throwing out like financial advice on day trading it's like yeah. it's a very um you know it's really volatile and if you don't understand what you're investing in it can be yeah you know quite complicated yeah um, like a lot of people do find like me personally I wouldn't have a clue about all that but I just I know it is so important and it's so valuable to do exactly and, yeah and also good. like you know you don't want to get into the trap of like trading every day like what actually yeah. is really important is to put away a bit of money every month um 
because that's going to outperform, you know, over the long term for you later down the road when you want to buy a house or, you know, when you have kids or when you're older and you need, you know, larger sums of money for things or, yeah. or even for your retirement. But, but hopefully in that case, you don't pension. But um, so, you know, really looking at what is missing for that age group. And when I say that age group, I really mean young professionals in general, anybody under the age of like 35, even even up to 40 who you know, might not have a strong financial education. And when I say strong financial education, I don't even mean, you know, there are plenty of people who did business degrees who still wouldn't know where to start for investing and making it as simple as possible for them and then layering a a layer of sustainability over that. So essentially Savvy will only offer the highest grade um, green uh, ESG ETF, which is a type of fund. Sorry, I'll get complicated now. But, uh, you know, for users to put a few hundred euro away every month into green funds um, that are uh, very transparent um, and that you can slowly watch your wealth grow and track the sustainability of that. So we're kind of trying to make the investing part as simple and as easy to understand as possible. So taking out all of that, you know, complicated financial language and really explaining what you actually are invested in, what that means and, and how that might be aligned with your personal values, depending on what your values are. Maybe, you know, you want to be in funds that are really focused on gender equality. And so we can match you up with that type of a fund, right. but making sure that it's still, you know, a really liquid fund so that later on, you know, you're not getting yourself into anything kind of small and scary. It is a large fund with uh, a lot of liquidity so that later yeah. on, you know, everything everything will go well. Um, so at the moment, that's what we're building out and, and we're very early days and we are, you know, working on an MVP at the moment, an initial prototype, which will hopefully be launching soon, just focused on education, just to make the, the initial steps as simple as possible. You know, why do you want to invest? And when it comes to sustainability, what are the things you don't understand? And here are, okay. you know, here's what's going on with investing sustainably. And, you know, getting into sustainable investing is kind of almost crucial at this point because long-term sustainable growth is what you want for your money anyway um, yeah, and because definitely. you know sustainability just doesn't doesn't just mean you know fighting climate change you're thinking overall what is going to be sustainable so like you know the examples of GameStop and, and things like that during COVID incredibly exciting and like some people made insane amounts of money but you could also lose it really quickly yeah. um, and so if you're in a fund that slowly tracks the market over time your money can can get you better returns than if it was sitting in your bank account. So we're trying to, you know, really, as I said, make that as simple as possible, connecting users to those sustainable funds in, you know, the easiest, easiest manner possible. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Gosh, I didn't even realize that 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 actually is very helpful. Just even like just thinking for myself, like that's, it's so good the way you give. So you give like financial advice and like financial guidance and just like letting users know where exactly their money's going and like what they would be investing in. Yeah. And essentially like, and I wouldn't be advising you, you know, personally it is like you, for example, could go to a financial planner and get a full plan based on your personal, you know, goals and and what you want in your future and what you earn, et cetera. But if you're in that category, you probably do that when you have a bit more wealth where you just want to be putting away a few hundred euros a month or, or even less, depending on what it is. Um, and you want to make sure that it's earning a little bit more than if you if you had that in a bank account. You know you can invest in in funds that track the market and that 
you know, have criteria whereby you're not invested in anything that might be, you know, weapons, oil and gas, tobacco, things like that. And you can see exactly what you're invested in and you can track the financial performance of it, but also the sustainability performance. So you you can see, you know, what is the carbon impact of this fund? What is the biodiversity impact of this fund? Um, and, And track different metrics like that so that you can have a holistic understanding of where your money is and what it's contributing to in the things that matter to you outside of just your wealth generation okay wow um you know i hope i made that simple enough i'm working no 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 that actually it makes (laughs) a lot of sense no it does it's it's so much easier to understand when someone actually just like spells it out for you um but that's amazing and i'm sure that will do very very well because i don't know if there is not i'm not aware of any companies or platforms that are like that um and it's it's just new it's fairly new is it yeah so we can't you know you can't invest with us at the moment okay, that's yeah. only we are okay yeah. um, and so we're building out our prototype at the moment and we'll be launching that soon and that'll be simply you know purely based on on the education side okay. um and then we will be kind of integrating investment partners over the next few months um, and that's kind of what we're working on now to really make sure like, you know, it's all well and good for me to say that this is what the market wants. And this is what, you know, I think people my age yeah. need, but actually I need to be out there with the product, testing it with them and see, you know, for example, with you, if I were to, to, to get you to go through the app, I might have an idea of, you know, exactly what you're going to do with it. But actually, you know, I'll give it to you and it'll be something completely different and something yeah. I was really excited, a feature I got so excited about you'll pass over. Mm-hmm. And something I didn't even think of, you know, you'll notice. And yeah. so it's all that kind of, you know, testing to make sure that really what we're doing is actually adding value for the user and not yeah. just something that I think sounds like a great idea. Yeah, um, no, for sure. And so we, we're working on that over the over the coming months. And it's really not what I expected to be doing, but I'm absolutely delighted that we are doing it. And it's it's really exciting um, and daunting. Uh, but yeah. Fun as well, so. yeah, no, that's very exciting for sure. Um, well best of luck with that and I'm sure it will do absolutely amazing Um, and I suppose you're a new entrepreneur yourself now Um, would you have any advice to new entrepreneurs uh, looking or people just looking to set up a business a little startup Um, what would what advice would you give them Uh, I'd have so much advice (laughs) I mean I I think I still well I still feel like I am the one getting the advice so I would say you just constantly learning yeah and definitely reach out to other entrepreneurs like I have there are a few other entrepreneurs that really help me with questions I have because they may only be three months further down the line than I am but they will know how to you know go about a certain thing we're getting ready to raise money at the moment and like I've never done that before I have no idea how to do that and so I'm constantly reaching out to people and I would say like that's that's where your network comes in in some ways I would reach out to people who you know, just ask them for a chat or or a coffee. And then also I would say, you know, don't do it alone. I'm really lucky that I have a co-founder. Yeah, Um, I was going to ask you, how do you find the partnership? Like it works really well for us. Um, And we, you know, we were friends briefly at the beginning of the year, but I haven't known him any longer than that. And so it means that our relationship is both working with a bit of friendship, but it, it kind of is built on the foundations of savvy so we're very lucky that we're you know in the same friendship group when we go out at the weekends and we don't talk about work but it means that when we're working during the week you know we can rely on each other yeah um, and it means that I'm really conservative on some things and I'll kind of get scared and he yeah. will be you know very like confident and want to go for it in, in other areas and so we balance each other out and I think that's really important um, and yeah. 
and my other advice would kind of just be go for it I was scared of it for so long um I was almost you know nervous to be saying it to people yeah um, and nervous to kind of you know yeah get it going takes, it takes a lot of guts definitely and I think like once I got out of my own way and actually said like this is what I'm doing um what do you think of it and and this is where I'm going with it and blah blah, blah. like people are really really open to you know even giving feedback or or helping um I'm constantly getting you know free advice from any of my friends in you know whether it be tax accountant or you know my friends in marketing and and all that kind of stuff and it's great so I would say um you know definitely just use everybody who is around you but make sure you're doing it in a way that you can give back to them and yeah. um, don't do it all alone I don't think that's sustainable and I don't think I don't think it's a it's a model for a lasting business I really think it's important to kind of go for it but make sure that you're giving yourself all the right supports yeah definitely thank you so much for that that was very helpful um, and thank you so much for coming on today that was very very inspiring and very insightful I definitely learned a lot <laughs> and I'm sure our listeners will as well um but yeah thank you so much for coming on